The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Play Six Podcast, CBS Sports NFL Podcast. I'm Obi, I'm your host, and my voice is completely shot. That won't stop us from podcasting. This show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Joining me as I recover from a sliming and just generally being in Vegas, I feel like I get sick every time I travel for the uh, the, the Super Bowl. Um, every year, ever since COVID, really, and maybe even before. Um, John Breach, Ryan Wilson, what's up, fellas? John, how are you doing? Well, Brunson, I was going to say that I, I think it's simple math, and I've you know been doing going to Super Bowls for 10 years like you. You've been going longer, but I feel like it's a combination of you don't get any sleep, yep. you're, you're working way more hours than usual, and yep. then you throw a few drinks in there, and your body, just, your body just gives up on you. Yeah. I mean, also like, you know, when you're a sensitive soul like me, sometimes you can be more, uh, sometimes you can be more, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever, like, I, like, like I, when you're a delicate soul like me, you can be more sensitive to airborne viruses. Okay. I gotta tell you, I'm not even lying. I couldn't walk for 24 hours because of that, the fall I took during that sliming. Though. So, that so was, we, that we need to there. stay away from you during the zombie apocalypse. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I keep surviving, though. So, I mean, like, I don't know. Um, let's do a deep dive into the Super Bowl. Wild overtime finish. Have we seen uh, Breach, by the by the way, have we seen any overnight numbers for uh, for the Super Bowl released from our PR overlords? They uh, We're recording this at 2 p.m. Eastern. They're, the numbers have not been released yet. We only touched that for a brief second, but they have to be monstrous. I mean, they're going to be huge. Like Close insane. game the whole time, overtime. Uh, so I, crazy. I, yeah. Controversial. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I think it will break the all-time record. 
Oh, yeah. I, th- I don't even think it's about will it break the overtime record. I think it's about how much will it break the overtime record, the all-time record by. Uh, and it's, that's in large part, Ryan, due to a controversial finish in overtime. Kyle Shanahan took the ball first. Many people are criticizing him for it. He was asked about it after the game, and here's what he said. Kyle, with, with, the, new, with the new rules for overtime, what goes into the decision to take the ball first there? Uh, it's just something we talked about with, you know, that none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked with those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least a field goal, and if, if we did, then we thought it was in our hands after that. Ryan, I laughed about it um, during the game, late during the game, because I, I was, yeah, I, I think that, the new overtime rules are confusing. And I noticed that Michael David Smith, our old colleague from fan house actually wrote a, what are the overtime rules story for pro football talk? Do you think that John breach had a, what are the overtime rules story for CBS sports.com? You had to have right, John. I did. Yeah, of course. You did. <laughs> of course you did. So breach, what are the new overtime rules? Because I think people are still confused about them despite seeing them take place in the overtime during Super Bowl 58, superb Al 58 last night. All right. Most importantly, both teams get at least one possession. So if the 49ers had scored a touchdown, the game would not have been over. The Chiefs would have been guaranteed a possession. I think that part is pretty clear. The second part, this is where I saw the most confusion, whether this was on uh, Twitter, whether this was just talking to people over the past 24 hours getting texts, is that the clock did not matter. If the Chiefs had not scored on that final play with three seconds left, time would have run out in the quote-unquote first quarter First overtime period, they would have taken a quick break. They would have flipped sides. They would have started the second quarter of overtime, and then they would have kept playing. So the Chiefs would have – the second team gets to finish their possession no matter what the clock says. So the clock does not come into play there. Uh, If the Chiefs had kicked a field goal on that series, it would have gone to sudden death overtime, which is what Kyle Shanahan was talking about, that they – called they, they wanted the ball first because they wanted the ball for that third possession which is where you win it on a field goal in the sudden death portion uh so those are the three main rules so knowing that and i think i think i guess i'm, I'm sort of thinking back on the on the fourth and one where the it was a fourth and one or fourth and three where the chiefs went for it on fourth down in overtime i they were out they were out were they outside of buckers range like clearly outside of buckers range uh, Brent, I'm glad you brought that play up because I think that is really the key to this whole thing. They were in their own territory at that point. They were at yeah. their, their own 34 yard line. They obviously so, couldn't punt, right? Like, <laughs> correct. You punt, because, you lose. Yeah. They're trailing, but if they had gotten the ball first, you're punting there. You don't have a choice. Like, that's the difference right there. If you get the ball first, you have fourth and one of your own 34, you are punting because if you don't get it, the other team's already in field goal range and they can win it with a field goal. Uh, whereas if you are the team that has the ball second, you're going for it there because you don't have a choice. So that, I mean, to me, that one play was the huge kind of the play you can point to, to why having the ball second is more important. Wilson, do the uh, wins over Wilson analytics, have they have they properly calculated uh, how bad Kyle Shanahan's mistake was and whether it was a mistake? Yeah, I don't think it was a mistake. I understand what he's saying when he does the math that he wanted the third possession. He was working under the assumption that it was score first. And they were steamrolling the the Chiefs early on in that game, mostly with Christian McCaffrey. And it's not unreasonable to think that they could have scored a touchdown there. Um, And by the way, Juwan Jennings was open. 
the problem is they didn't block Chris Jones on that final play where they had to settle for the yeah. field goal in overtime. Um, so if they just block Chris Jones, and that seems like a pretty important part of any sort of game plan, uh, Brock Purdy would have had time to get the ball to jo- to Jawan, who had won on a little return route, I believe. So I get it. I understand what he's saying. And, you know, some speculation last night on this podcast that Kyle Shanahan didn't know the rules. He knew the rules, it turns out, and they went through it with their analytics department. So I can see both sides. The, the point Breach makes, I get it. You're not going to go for it on fourth and one on your own 38-yard line if you have the first possession uh, unless you're Dan Campbell. And you would hope – and by the way, hope isn't a plan. You would hope after you punt it, you can slow up Patrick Mahomes, and that never seems to work. You have to score a touchdown there. And I think in addition to the fourth and one that Breach talked about, the inability to block Chris Jones is also something you can point the finger at as to why they didn't score a touchdown on that first overtime drive. Now, it is worth noting that I believe Lindsey Jones of the TheRinger.com uh, was in the, in the locker rooms afterwards. And Chris Jones, as well as other Chiefs, told her that, and I think they told other reporters this, that they had been practicing. Brinson, Excuse me. Big cough coming. I saw. I got the, you saw the cough button though. Um, <laughs> that they had been practicing these new overtime rules since training camp, and that they had been anticipating the possibility of having the situation unfold. And other 49ers players made it seem like they were a little less clear about the rules. I'm not saying I'm not like Kyle Shanahan is one of, one of the all time great coaches. I'm not suggesting that he didn't know the rules. I just think that in the moment, as it's all unfolding the way it did that the Chiefs definitely were more confident in their game plan and what they were going to do. And you can go back to the, uh, you know, what like one, what is Bill Belichick, you know, when Belichick and the Patriots won all these games, and also like an old Bill Walsh line about if you're the one who's keeping a calm head when things are getting crazy, you don't need to like, like elevate your game. You just need to maintain your cool and generally, people will lose it around you more often than not in these situations. Um, you know, the Seahawks and the uh, the Patriots, the end of that game being a decent example. And I think you can at least make the case, Wilson, uh, even even though with your sardonic remarks there, that there are that there was like a little bit of Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers not being as cool and as prepared as the Chiefs were. Yeah, I mean they faltered under the moment. I don't think that means they didn't know the rules. I just think that um like I would I would imagine Kyle Shanahan is perpetually prepared, but this isn't the first time he's shirked and uh, shrinked in, in in big moments, uh, especially in the in the Super Bowl. I'll say one thing real quick, and it's that it doesn't make any sense to me to be playing for this imaginary third possession. This is like me if yeah. I told my wife, "Hey, you know what? If we ever have fifty million dollars, we're gonna go buy a mansion." Uh, that's that's a great promise. But if we never have $50 million, that promise doesn't mean anything. It's just so you're playing for this possession that might not ever happen. And you look at what what are the options in overtime? If you get the ball first and you punt, now the Chiefs just need a field goal to win. They have Patrick Mahomes and one of the three best kickers in the NFL. If you kick a field goal, now the Chiefs can go drown, drive a touchdown to win the game. If you score a touchdown, I think Chris Jones said in that same ringer story that Andy Reid pretty much said they would go for two in that yep. situation to make sure the other team didn't get a third possession. So the Chiefs would have done everything possible to make sure a third possession didn't happen. So in that case, it just seems like it, it favored the Chiefs by far to have the ball second. Here's the quote. We talked through this for two weeks, Jones said. And this is again from the ringer.com and Lindsey Jones, uh, who's a great writer and editor over there. How we was going to give the ball to the opponent. If they scored, we was going for two at the end of the game. We rehearsed it. This is Lindsey now writing. The 49ers did not do the same. 
multiple San Francisco players said after the game they were not aware that the overtime rules are different in the playoffs than they are in the regular season, and strategy discussions over how to handle the overtime period did not occur as a team. Defensive lineman Eric Armstead said he learned the details of the postseason rule when it was shown on the Allegiant Stadium Jumbotron during a TV timeout after regulation. Fullback Kyle Juszczyk said he assumed the 49ers asked to receive when they won the toss because that's what you do in the regular season when a touchdown wins a game. I guess that's not the case. I don't really know the strategy, Juszczyk said. You know, not I a think, good look. Not a good look. An interesting question here, though, that uh, producer Harry mentioned, and I, I think it's really fascinating, is what do you think the breakdown would have been with other coaches in the NFL? Because keep in mind, this was the first time this overtime has ever happened because it's only in the playoffs. They only implemented it in 2022, and this is the first postseason overtime game we've gotten since they started it. So this was the first time any coach had to make this decision. Do you think most coaches would have taken the ball second and that Shanahan's the oddball, or do you think well, that they would have followed his steps and taken it first? I, I think, um, and I know Seth Walter of ESPN said he talked to an analytics guy or, or analytics person from, from an NFL team who said if you polled – NFL teams around the around the league, you would not get a definitive answer about what is the best thing to do in that situation because the you, you know the imaginary imaginary third position possession does technically come into play. Even though I agree with you, Breach, you can't you know like hope is not a strategy as Wilson likes to point out to us frequently. Um, having said that, I think most coaches would have have would prefer to defer because. This is the closest – we talked about this last night, but it's like the closest comp you can really come up with is the college overtime rule where you start at the 25, and if you get the ball first and you and you have to – and you get to fourth down, you kick a field goal, the other team walks it off with the touchdown. So, you know, the Chiefs the, the Chiefs knew once once they got – held the 49ers to a field goal, a touchdown wins it, and I think that that played into their strategy with – once I, I would not be surprised if there was a discussion – on the sidelines with the Chiefs and hopefully NFL inside the NFL or NFL films or whatever comes up with it. But if, if there was one that when the when the 49ers chose to take the ball, that the Chiefs were like, let's try and time this. If we get down to the end zone, let's try and time it with the end of the quarter if we can and a running clock because it's going to throw everybody off or at least some defenders off. To answer your question, Breach, uh, Dan Campbell's taking the ball first. He's scoring a touchdown and he's going for two. <laughs> no matter what. I will say one thing, though, that I think it took whatever, 40 years, 50 years, but I think the NFL finally hit a home run with their overtime rule. This yeah. seems like the right decision. Obviously, you don't want to do this in the regular season because you don't need to drag out games. But for a game to have guaranteed each possession, this is exactly what you want. It made it a thrilling overtime. Nobody is arguing about it being unfair or about the coin toss going one way. It is just... Did Kyle Shanahan make the right or wrong decision? That's what we're arguing about instead of the unfair rules of overtime. So I think the NFL finally has gotten overtime right. Well, and, and to your point, Breach, if the 49ers score a touchdown, kick the extra point, and then the Chiefs go down to the other side, score a touchdown, go for two, and do not get it, we are having a very, very different did somebody bleep up discussion and it involves Andy Reid and going for two, even though I think we all agree that we like the idea of trying to put, put the ball in Patrick Mahomes hand to win the game versus, you know, kicking an extra point to tie it up and then, you know, trusting your defense to stop Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah. I love overtime. I hope we see more overtime and more Super Bowls. Um, Mahomes also talked about it. 
So let's really quickly hear what Patrick Mahomes said about the overtime. I think it's funny. We go over these rules every single week, um, and they prepare us for these moments. And, I, and when we're in the meetings, I'm like, man, I cannot – I cannot keep hearing these exact same things, but they prepared us for the overtime rules, knew all the different scenarios, and uh, it keeps us calm and uh, cool during those big moments. Well, Wilson, calm and cool is exactly what Patrick Mahomes was at the end when he threw that touchdown to Michael Hartman, wasn't he? Yeah, but, I mean, he was, he's was he been that way throughout the entire season. I mean, we've seen bouts of frustration because his receivers can't catch or they're running the wrong route or Kadarius Tony's lining up offsides. sides. But, um, I mean, they won because of him. The defense played out of its mind. Chris Jones, again, was a difference maker. But I think Patrick Mahomes is a different type of cat. And is he the best ever? No, he's not. But he's certainly making a good case. He's 28, has three Super Bowls. And, I mean, 10 years from now, I don't even know where he's going to be in terms of catching Tom Brady or surpassing Tom Brady, which would be a wild thing to think about. But, yeah, he seems unflappable. And Pete and BMAC talked to Isaiah Pacheco after the game on the field, and they asked him what did – Patrick say in the huddle in that last drive after the 49ers kicked the field goal. And they're like, yeah, I didn't say anything because we knew what we had to do at that point. And that gets to back to Patrick's larger point in that they discuss these things uh, ad nauseum from August till now. So there's really nothing left to do but to go out and do it. And, and maybe that's the, the takeaway as well, that it became muscle memory at that point, whereas it looked like the 49ers, at least uh, in overtime, felt like they were pressing a little bit. I think the thing that blows my mind here is that we're talking that, that Patrick Mahomes is so good. The talking point isn't that he led a game winning Super Bowl drive in overtime and that he went eight of eight for 42 yards on the drive and that he also ran the ball twice for 27 yards. And so he's so good. That's an afterthought. That's like what we expect from Patrick Mahomes. And we're sitting here debating Kyle Shanahan. But I think that listening to Mahomes' comments, that just really reminds me of. Patriots dynasty with Belichick, yep. where they cover every single rule in the rule book. You know, the Patriots know every single rule there is. Belichick's going to take advantage of every single rule. And that's simply what that was, where uh, Mahomes, Chris Jones, all those guys, all the best players, they knew what was going on in overtime. They knew the rules, except for maybe McCole Hardman, who uh, Mahomes said he had to help him celebrate and remind him that they had just won the game. But McCole <laughs> did say on Twitter that he did know the rules. He just was blacked out and shocked that he had just won the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's really what it reminds me of. So it's just, that's what a great coach does. He makes sure everyone's prepared for every situation. So, um, Miko Harmon's Super Bowl moment. Do you think he did just, just not aware that was a walk-off? I mean, just, he just wasn't aware. He said he blacked out. He's probably happy he caught the ball. I mean, he's had some rough patches, as Patrick talked about after the game to Tracy Wolfson. So just be happy he caught the ball. Whether he knows the rules or not, he doesn't need to know the rules. Just know which way to go. He got in the end zone on that final play on um, what felt like an easy pitch and catch, but um, it was a rough path for, for Miko to get that. By the way, Miko had that huge catch earlier in the game, the play before Isaiah Pacheco fumbled. So this was probably one of his best games in, in a while. Um I think he's Probably he's best of game of his life. I think he's headed for free agency, but either way, I, I think if you're going well, out, remember, I mean, Miko Hardman, just like Kadarius Tony last year, who made a massive impact in that Super Bowl, was traded to was acquired by the Chiefs midseason as sort of an afterthought. Like most of the Miko Hardman stuff when he got traded back to Kansas City, there's all jokes about whether or not like like him leaving the Jets and coming back to to KC, and then and he did, wasn't an impactful player, and then just shows up in a big way. It's just, again, very Patriots-like to get these random performances from big player, from like sort of bit players in these big spots. 
Yeah, and you know, it's one thing about we're talking about Nicole Hardman saying he blacked out and didn't realize what was going on. After he scored the touchdown, he just threw the football on the ground and it rolled off. And I don't know who has this football. I want to know who has this football because That's that a is point. a hell of a souvenir. Because look, at the Super Bowl last year, we had Harrison Butker kick the ball over the kicking net. A fan caught it and took it home. He went home with the game-winning football. And we might have a similar situation here with Nicole Hardman. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly, this was the exact performance the Chiefs needed, not just from McCole Hardman, but from every single one of these wide receivers. I mean, we're talking about these guys that all year were dropping passes and Mahomes looked like he was going to pull out all his hair because he was getting so frustrated with his receivers. But we see him go with zero drops in the AFC title game. And they all came back with huge games here. He had six receivers who had at least three catches. He had seven who had at least 20 yards receiving. You get a guy like Justin Watson. He had a huge 21-yard catch on third down and nine, I think, at the end of the first half when they got that field goal, when they got their first points, which are key because no team had ever been shut out in a Super Bowl in the first half and then won the Super Bowl. Uh, we saw Rasheed Rice come up with a huge third down plays, especially the one in overtime, caught a 13-yarder on third and six. Uh, MVS Mark, caught the touchdown. MVS caught the touchdown. One play after the fumbled punt to kind of make the uh, – 49ers pay for that. Jarek McKinnon cost, uh, caught a third down pass uh, on the field goal drive at the end of the game when Harrison Bucker uh, tied it. So it was just all these huge third down plays where earlier in the season, these guys were dropping the passes. And for whatever reason, they put it together for these final two games of the season. They sure did. I also want to note, uh, Bill Barnwell sent out the tweet about the about um just like the all 22 of the fourth and one where Mahomes uh, it, I, I believe the playlist reads, you know, it is Patrick Mahomes right tackle to KC 42 for eight yards. That play, if you look at the play design on that play, it is insane. Outrageous how good it is because I, is Noah Gray 83 or a, I think it was, I think Noah Gray is lined up and does a fake in step to his left as if he is, and as the offensive line is blocking to the left as well. And it looks like Noah Gray is trying to get inside to block. He actually is immediately going right back out to draw a cornerback away and allow Mahomes to come up the middle. And it's basically a triple option style play. But Nick Bosa overcompensates, goes over the top because he looks like it's a handoff. Just an, I mean, and I don't think, I'm not saying Bosa screwed up. I just think it's a really, really, really well-designed play. And I just wanted to point that out. Before we had to break, and if you unless you guys have any well, and real quick, you even had Kelsey. Was it Kelsey that went in motion across the hole? Yeah, behind, and behind they, the it, issue, it yeah. was even setting it up that he might go under center and run a QB sneak. So if you're the because the, the Chiefs have done that before in short yeah. situations, so now you have them kind of looking inside and worrying about that. They're worrying about Noah Gray. The last thing they were worrying about was Patrick Mahomes taking off. I mean, it was an insane play design. Yep, sure was. All right, let's take a break. When we come back. We'll look at Brock Purdy's performance next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. Brock Tober didn't end the way that the 49ers hoped. Brock Purdy, though, how would you assess, Wilson, his performance in his first Super Bowl? Did he have a good game? 
Yeah. No, I thought he did have a good game. I mean, like I said early on, they leaned on the run game. Christian McCaffrey was running all over the Chiefs defense. They had very few answers. Uh, the problems came, and this has been a recurring theme for Brock, is that uh, he's not that tall, and he is susceptible to getting passes knocked down the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs are really good at knocking down passes the line of scrimmage. We saw that. The other issue is that while typically Debo and Brandon Ayuk can just run through by over guys, Trent McDuffie, Legarius Sneed are legit. Now, they're some of the best players in the NFL at their respective positions. And Trent McDuffie, I don't know if he said it here or heard it somewhere else, but there's an argument to be made that he could have been in the running for MVP as well with the way he played that game. And I just think they ran out of bullets. <clears throat> I don't think Brock Purdy did anything um, outrageous. The throw to the use check, he spun out of a couple tackles, was a good, was a great play. Um, he was going right, and then he came back and came left to Christian McCaffrey. He had a nice little run down the sidelines on a little dump off. Was also a good play at a couple of anticipation throws that he's done throughout the year repeatedly, but he wasn't asked to do too much. I guess you could argue he had a couple of Jimmy G moments where he overthrew guys who were potentially uh, going to have touchdowns. So Debo one initially was a PBU by Trent McDuffie. The other one, I think he overthrew either Ayuk or, or maybe Debo again later in the game, but I have no issue with the way he played and, and no one's talking about it because he had nothing to do with, with the outcome. I think every there, there are 10 other reasons as to why, the 49ers found themselves in the position they did, and Brock Purdy was not it. Yeah, I feel like the, his overtime drive kind of epitomized his entire game. You went 4-6 for 50 yards and looked pretty sharp, but then when Shanahan said, hey, we're going to put the ball in your hands on that third and four, uh, let's convert this, let's go to get a touchdown, and Purdy couldn't do it, and they end up kicking that field goal in overtime because, look, he had a huge fourth quarter, 5-7, yards, one touchdown, Decent in overtime, but couldn't convert that third down, which was the huge play of the game. But I thought the one time where they really needed Purdy and he didn't come through was really the entire third quarter. Because after Patrick Mahomes threw that interception on the Chiefs opening possession, you're the 49ers. You get the ball at the Chiefs 44-yard line. If you get just a field goal there, you're up two scores in the third quarter, which is exactly where you want to be and they didn't even you only need a few yards to get in field goal range probably five yards get you in field goal range because we saw jake moody hit a 55 yarder in that game they couldn't even get five yards and so purdy in that third quarter went four of ten for 25 yards uh if you score there as i said you're up two scores but then they got the ball again and they were still up 10 to three and they still couldn't do anything. So if they could have scored anything in the quarter, that would have been their chance to step on Kansas City's jugular and, and kind of probably almost put the game away. It's Patrick Mahomes, you never know. But they didn't do it just because that was when their offense stagnated. They, they kind of gave up on Christian McCaffrey in third quarter, put it in Purdy's hands, and he didn't do anything. Just two attempts, two rushing attempts for Christian McCaffrey in that third quarter. Um, I believe that the... 49ers had uh, 36 net yards on 14 plays in the third quarter, which actually sort of belies their drives because they, I think, they, oh no, yeah, I mean they only had what three drive, three drives in the in the fourth quarter. Am I, am I reading it right? The game book says 36 yards, but it looks like they, I don't know, they had, they had three drives. And they couldn't muster anything. Now, I mean, like Kansas City's defense is really, really good. I to me. I come back to Kyle Shanahan on this one in terms of like both like it's like can Brock Purdy win the 49ers Super Bowl? And the answer is yes. Like you were leading by double digits in the Super Bowl. If you were winning by double digits in the Super Bowl, even if you end up losing the Super Bowl, in my opinion, that means you can win a Super Bowl with whoever got you to the dance. Now, I I I know that like I think it's a little unfair that the 
uh, Brady, 28-3 comeback, um, falls on Kyle Shanahan more than it does on Dan Quinn. Like, when uh, Washington hires Dan Quinn, the talking point is he got the Falcons to a Super Bowl. When, But it's like Kyle Shanahan lost in the Super Bowl. He's not even the head coach. And to me, it's more – it's not about, like, Kyle's a choker. It's more about, you know, Kyle has gotten the most out of quarterbacks – like Matt Ryan, who's a really, really a much better quarterback than the other two guys in my name, but Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then and then Brock Purdy, all three of whom he got to a Super Bowl and had a big lead in the Super Bowl with. And, you know, it might just be a case of Patrick Mahomes could be the greatest quarterback of all time. And Tom Brady is – it's either him or Tom Brady, and those are the guys that beat Kyle in these spots. It's not like Brock Purdy let him down. Yeah, but they could have run the ball at 28-3. to That's the talking point there. They could have not taken the ball first in overtime. That's the talking point that Breach mentioned earlier. There are reasons that Kyle Shanahan, OC slash coach, they lost these games. I mean, it's yes, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, yeah. but they didn't maximize every opportunity either. Well, I think that would because I kind of brought that up last night with how the last two Super Bowls, you know, he's only averaged three points per fourth quarter, nine last night, but zero in the Falcons game, zero in Super Bowl 54. And that's not going to cut it when you're playing the best teams and you're going to be playing the best teams in the Super Bowl. And the only thing I would say about the Dan Quinn versus Kyle Shanahan thing is I feel like Shanahan is getting grilled because he's been in this situation so many times when you saw him. Blow yes. a 10-point lead in Super Bowl 54 when he blows a 10-point lead in the NFC title game and then blows another 10-point lead in Super Bowl. If Dan Quinn in five years gets to two more Super Bowls and blows two double-digit leads, we will be talking a lot about how he blew the lead. And, it, you know, it's just bad that Kyle Shanahan's the only one that's made it this far. Uh, and, and fair or unfair, that's that's the label you're going to get is the, the guy that just can't win the big game. And, you know, do you think Shanahan is going to watch this film and think that Brock Purdy made all the great decisions or, you know, Shanahan has a wandering eye when it comes to a quarterback. Do you think this will be the offseason where he finally does not have a wandering eye because he's happy with how Brock Purdy ran the offense? And Brock Purdy was awesome this year. $1.1 million is what Brock Purdy makes next year. <laughs> yep. And remember, this past offseason, myself included, everybody wanted to make a big quarterback controversy in San Francisco with Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy was hurt, even though he like, he played his way you know, before the injury into keeping the job. But then because he was hurt, everyone agreed, you know, like, oh, uh, maybe, you know, you at least like consider it. And Kyle Shanahan stood by him, traded Trey Lance and said, Brock Purdy's our guy. And uh, But also he, tried to sign Tom Brady. So we didn't completely. Well, I mean. Yeah, if you get Tom Brady, you get Tom Brady. It makes sense. But he did at least, he, he thought, hey, what if Brock's elbow doesn't heal fast? Why don't we see if we Tom Brady wants to play for us? Yeah, if it were like, if it were like him trying to sign Kirk Cousins? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. He does love some Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I mean, but isn't Kirk Cousins just like older Brock Purdy? No. Kirk Cousins is a lot better than Brock Purdy. But Purdy's more athletic. Yeah. It, which I think Shanahan likes. Well, I, look, th this Super Bowl Purdy played a B-plus football. He looked good. As yeah. Wilson said, nobody's – or Brinson, both of you guys said it. This is just not uh, – he didn't win the game for them, but he didn't lose the game for them. Yeah. And it's not Purdy's fault that the 49ers didn't win. I, I put it more on Patrick Mahomes for just taking another Super Bowl from another team than I do on Brock Purdy giving giving the game away personally. And I think Wilson's point about the, his cost is extremely important. If you can keep a quarterback for that price, especially when you have – all of these other guys who need to get paid both on offense or, or, you know, all these other guys who are either have gotten paid or are going to get paid on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball, like to have that many stars, as many as they do, 
you know, the, having that cheap quarterback helps a ton. Yeah, and and that's why it will be interesting, I guess, not this offseason, next offseason, when the 49ers have to pay Brock Purdy when he's eligible for the extension after the 2024 season. That is when we can rehash this conversation of what's Purdy's future. How much money are you going to give him? But we don't need to. We don't need to figure that out now, do we? Caught. No. No, I'm not calling for notes. I, I, uh, He's going to get two of money. Oh, yeah. gosh. Disrespectful. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, San Francisco's injuries. You, Wilson, do you, uh, I'll do it. Um, well, it says Wilson interest topic on the run now, so I didn't know if you wanted to interest. No, go for it. Well, you go ahead. It says we have. Knock it out. Uh, if you're being kind to Brock Purdy, you can also say the 49ers struggled to keep their playmakers on the field. Debo left with a hammy. He did come back. Kittle went out for a moment. They did lose Dre Greenlaw, and you could argue that defensively that was the biggest adjustment. Oren Burks came in, and he consistently, that's when Travis Kelsey started lighting things up. One catch, one yard in the first half, and then Travis had nine for 93, I believe, by the time it was all said and done. Um, I don't think injuries are a concern because everyone at this point is, is really banged up. Joe Tooney didn't play. Nick Allegretti had to come in and play left tackle and uh, availed himself nicely. He started back in 90, uh, back in the 54 Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, because Tony wasn't there yet. Um, anybody want to point any fingers at the injuries as, as the reason that Kyle Shanahan turtled up? <laughs> I, well, I'll say that losing Drake Greenlaw definitely didn't help. He was having a fantastic game. I think that was uh, – and that was an absolute freak injury. That was oh, yeah. the, the crazy part that you're just kind of jogging back out onto the field and to just – fall over and tear your Achilles. I mean, how does that even happen? And that happened uh, with, I think, about nine minutes left in the first half. So th that's that's tough when you're losing one of your three best defensive players and you're not going to have them for th two and a half quarters. So I thought that one probably hurt the 49ers the most. I agree. Yeah, for sure. And it's also one of those where when it happens, it's like, I mean, it. I do you, we, were t we were talking about it so last time. Do you think he was starting to run out and then stop because there was a fumble and was like kind of excited about it. And then like it, the whole thing messed him up. And, and that's, I mean, like obviously it's just a freak injury because he's running on the field, but it looked like he stopped and started a little bit. Um, that's one of those where it's in the moment and it's so tough because you just don't have any time to prepare, like adjusting and preparing and, and, and dealing with that in the moment is impossible. Yeah. You see the replay, Fred, Fred Warner's got his, his hands on his head. Like, Oh my God, what yeah. just happened? Yeah, it wasn't, you know, obviously it was returning to the field, not even during during a play, which is just absolutely. Almost like he couldn't. Brutal. Yeah, Fred Warner looking at it like he couldn't believe what just happened. I mean, it really was one of those bizarre injuries uh, we've ever seen, especially on the stage. I mean, it was just crazy. It was just a non-contact running back on the field. Yep. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, special teams, of course, and Taylor Swift. What else? Next. Guys, we're talking about my favorite topic, special teams. I feel like we rarely get to talk about this, in, especially after a big uh, <laughs> You You guys push me in the corner. We talk, You always give me my time to talk about it, but it's about 10 we seconds. Literally, we literally had to talk about it without you even there on the on the, on the the show on the, uh, over at uh, Radio Rep. <laughs> and then Brady Quinn uh, hit me in the shoulder and was like, Breach, you made me talk about special teams. I hate talking about special teams. <laughs> uh, so shout out, Brady. Look. This was one of those games we saw kickers dominate. We saw punters dominate. We saw one special teams play kind of swing things for the Chiefs. Uh, and they, they played a huge part in this game. And uh, Wilson, I'll ask you first. Do you think 
this was the greatest special team Super Bowl of all time? I'm trying to think. Like going back, I feel like uh, Washington may have had a kick return early in the '80s. Um, there's the um, Super Bowl three was it was uh, you talked about this ended on a field goal by a rookie. That was Super Bowl three, right? Yeah, yeah. Super Bowl five. Jim O'Brien. Super Bowl five. Yeah. Sorry, right. The Colts won that one. Super Bowl three was the Jets. So there's that one. I don't know if there are any great punting performances that come to mind. I think this is it because you know we obviously know about the kickers both setting records uh, ahead of one another, and then the punting was spotless. And I'll be honest, one of the things that made me most jealous watching that game was that the Steelers punter has never hit a ball more than 35 yards down the field. So to see both punters absolutely smoking and changing field position when they had pretty crappy field position, that had a lot to do with, I think, in part, the the, the low score, at least early on. So, yeah, I'll give you that. Brinson, were you bored or did you find it fascinating that for the first three and a half quarters, this really felt like a kicker's duel uh, with a little offense sprinkled in there? Um. Well, I was annoyed because you were right very quickly about the broken record in terms of the, the longest kick uh, ever made in a Super Bowl. And you were right about it twice. And Butker even broke the record that Jake Moody had broken. Um, no, I think uh, I think the fact that it was Moody involved, given all of his struggles kicking uh, this, you know, this season and in big spots as a rookie kicker, drafted really high by Kyle Shanahan, I think that added to the pressure of it. And the fact that he executed, I mean, you know, like they they didn't lose because of Jake Moody, and I'm kind of glad because that would have been a pretty tough scene. Yeah, Moody he, made that, he made that extra point. It was blocked. He didn't miss it. Yeah, he did miss it. He hit it low. I'll say this about Moody's game. I would give him an A- minus because, A, he did become the first – kicker in NFL history to make multiple 50-yard field goals in a Super Bowl. When you're kicking from beyond 50 yards in a Super Bowl, the the career percentage of every kicker ever in Super Bowl history was 46.7% going into that game. So it's a coin flip. So the fact that he made two of those, uh, that means the 49ers got points that most people aren't going to get there. And I think that making both of those makes up for the blocked extra point. Even if he hits the extra point, it's 17-13. Does anyone not think that Mahomes doesn't go down and get a touchdown, and then Moody kicks a field goal, and then we go to overtime at 20 to 20 instead of 19 to 19. So I'm not going to crush Moody just because he hit the two 50 yarders. I'm not going to crush him over the extra point. We talked about Bucker for a while last night with the four field goals, including the longest in Super Bowl history at 57. Uh, and as I said, if he had hit the game winner, uh, I do think he would have been MVP, but obviously that didn't happen. I do think Mahomes deserved it. And the one thing I did go back and watch uh, because I, I, couldn't just remember how it happened was the 49ers fumble and who was to blame there. And after watching it, I really think it was on Ray Ray McLeod, Daryl Luter. He's the one who got hit by the ball. But when you're the returner, you are the only guy on the return team who is watching the football. The looter is your blocker. He is trying to protect you. He has no idea where the football is. If the football is landing short, the returner is supposed to yell, Peter, 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 and kind of point to where the ball is landing so that his teammates can disengage from their blocks and get out of the way so that something like that doesn't happen. Looter literally has no idea where the football is going to fall. Sometimes in high school and college, you'll see guys on the sideline yell, Peter, 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 and point to the football so that it does not hit the defender's. Uh, so it's hard to blame a guy who had no idea where the football was going to fall. It's not like he tried to pick it up and and run away. Then obviously McLeod had to try and pick it up after it hit Luter's foot. So I, I'm not sure you can blame Luter a ton for that. It was just completely bad luck. And finally, last thing I'll say, uh, Tommy Townsend, absolutely an unsung hero. Wilson, you mentioned his hold on a 57-yard field goal last night. I didn't get a good luck at it last night. Went back, not a great snap. He got it down. 
Uh, and obviously, that was a huge kick in the game. He also had a 62-yard punt that got downed inside of uh, the 49ers' 20-yard line. So he flipped the field there. In the fourth quarter, he had a 53-yard punt from his own 11 that kind of flipped the field again. So Townsend, Harrison Butker, and then uh, the fumbled punt. Uh, it, it was just a crazy special teams performance by the Chiefs. By the way, um, Ray Ray McLeod could have also just fallen on the ball. He tried to pick it up, which also yes, yes. Well, I, I do give him a little credit for I think knowing that the ball had touched the teammate. Like you're right, she's falling it instead of trying to pick it up and run with it. But like, because at first the the reaction was uh, on I think even Nance and Rumbo were because you know, it was hard to see whether it hit the ball. They're like, what is he doing? Like you don't touch the ball there. And then it's like, oh my goodness, he needed to touch the ball. Um, you know, obviously that's a you know a disaster in terms of special teams. And, um, and as we said, yes. the, the the Chiefs score a touchdown one play later after that fumble with uh, Mahomes to MVS. So that was that was a huge. Obviously, that was event. Kyle Shanahan's fault as well. Moving forward with the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, technically, he's the coach. Uh, moving forward with the Kansas City Chiefs, they now have an opportunity. They just won the Super Bowl in back to back years. The first time, first team to do that since the Patriots in the early two thousands. Ryan, if the Chiefs win a third straight Super Bowl in twenty twenty four, are they the greatest? dynasty of all time no it's still the patriots i mean okay. patriots yeah, I, 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 look, I mean what, what i mean three in a row is three in a row never been done never been done never been done I get it but i mean three years ago we were talking about how tom brady has seven and the patriots have six and everything that he and bill belichick did together and look i give the, the chiefs a ton of credit andy reed's been around the block he just didn't show up two years ago and started winning all these games he's been around um, since the probably the 80s, definitely the 90s, and he had all that success with with uh, Philadelphia. By the way, he might be the OG Kyle Shanahan. He never could win in Philly, and then he needed to change the scenery. So maybe that's uh, that's Kyle Shanahan's future at some point. Maybe we'll get traded to the to the Bengals, and the Bengals will start winning Super Bowls breach. Uh, but I, I think, look, if they win the next two in a row, then yes, no, no, you're not going to argue for me seven or otherwise. But right now, I'm willing to remember that not too long ago. Uh, the the Patriots were virtually unbeatable. It is it isn't just insane. I, I think I said this a million times this past week, but it's so insane that like, Patrick Mahomes could have won six Super Bowls to start his career. That like that is not an outrageous suggestion. He was basically two plays away from making it two six straight Super Bowls. And then I guess you could say he got blown out by the Buccaneers. But if you, you know the, the offensive line's healthier, maybe things are different for this specific season. Though breach. Um, I mean, everybody saddles, saddles back up. I mean, Travis, do we think Travis Kelsey's going to retire? I don't. And why would he? He's maybe the most famous man on the planet. He's yeah, I, I, don't think that, I don't think Kelsey or – and maybe they did briefly think about retirement, but I think Andy Reid, it's pretty clear Travis Kelsey, uh, both want to come back and get a three-peat. And I think winning this part, part is part of that drive where we can do something that no team in NFL history – has ever done. And so now you come back and you feel like you have a real good chance because you look at the best teams. I mean, they manhandled the Baltimore rate. They, they beat all the best teams in the playoffs. Uh, the Bills have no idea what to do against the Chiefs anymore. And it's one of those where they're just yeah. in their head now and have that psychological advantage. The Ravens just, they got dominated by the Chiefs in the postseason. You really look around. And of course, I can say there's only one active quarterback in the NFL right now who has beaten. Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game, and that's Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow's got to prove he can stay healthy. So you, you, he can't just keep missing games 
and and expect that the Bengals are going to be awesome. If the Bengals are healthy, they can compete with the Chiefs, but who knows? So I, right now, the Chiefs are the top of the class in the AFC, and there's no reason they can't win a third one. I, I thought Kevin Clark had a good tweet, Wilson, um, our buddy Kevin Clark of uh, ESPN, and of uh, This Is Football Podcast. He said that Mahomes reminds him of Michael Jordan because much like Jordan, he basically bends, takes the, um, not the reputation, but the, sort of like the legacy of other like really, really good, uh, you know, opponents and peers, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, you know, Kyle Shanahan to a degree and completely like changes their legacies as a result of his greatness. Uh, and I, I think, I mean, like Kyle Shanahan probably has two Super Bowls if Patrick Mahomes doesn't exist. You know, if Patrick Josh Mahomes Allen's made, probably been to a Super Bowl at least once if Patrick Mahomes doesn't exist. But yeah, this was the I, same conversation we had about Peyton and Tom. I yep. mean, don't get mad, get better. Or Phil and Tiger. Yeah. Yeah, same similar thing. All right, what, Wilson, does year two of Taylor Swift in the NFL look like? I mean, Breeze talked about it last night. She feels like she's a legit fan. I wonder now that she's won a Super Bowl in her first go-round if she's just going to stay on tour and not be as up many games. Or if they get engaged and then what does that look like? He flies in from L.A. to do the games. Travis Kelsey does. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts. Breach, you're the... The pop culture correspondent, I would imagine you have a better take on this than I do. I would say year two is going to be good for her because now it's been normalized that she's at games. We've gotten all this coverage in her one. They won the Super Bowl. It does not get any bigger than that. And I think next season will be commonplace. And so when she shows up at games, she's obviously going to be shown because she's Taylor Swift, but people aren't going to fawn all over it. And we're not going to see 12 million tweets sent about. Maybe it's down to 8 million and year two. And I think she's going to be more comfortable attending games and mingling with everybody. And as we said in the Super Bowl, she looked like she was enjoying herself, uh, except, you know, when it was close and she was biting her nails. But Taylor Swift looks like a legit NFL fan. I think she's here for the long haul. And I think we'll see her at a bunch of games next year. And as you said, just said, Wilson, if they're engaged, that adds that could change things because then it becomes like a pre wedding tour. And Have you already written that story? Every, maybe I got the <laughs> shell ready. But th if that is the case, then. You know, then that excitement returns and they're going to celebrate every time she's in the stadium next year. And that's all anyone's going to want to talk about. So I think that would be the twist where this year two would be bigger than year one if Travis and Taylor are engaged. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think a offseason proposal Ooh. ratchets up things. But if she just comes back and is just, you know, his girlfriend again for another year, which is like that outrageous to suggest. I mean, like they haven't known each other that long, um, then I think it's entirely plausible that this does become a little bit normalized. And I'd give credit to CBS. You know, I mean, it's our employer. I understand that it sounds like I'm kissing butt. Uh, I'm good at I, something that I do frequently. But I, I do think that when you take the way, and we talked about this after the AFC Championship game, she was serving for like 44 seconds in the AFC Championship game. And Breach, you correctly pointed out, we'll probably see more Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. But that's also because more people were watching the Super Bowl because of Taylor Swift. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, I thought that we did a good job with it, especially considering everything that was at stake and how Kelsey was struggling early on and how she was even acting. Like she chugged a beer. Yeah. She chugged a beer and slammed the cup like a rally beer. She's chewing her nails. I mean, I thought I like I'm a fan of Taylor Swift at football games. It doesn't bother me at all. I think anybody who does get bothered needs to, you know, get a grip in reality. Uh, but I think we see it normalized a bit, as Breach said, unless they're engaged, in which case 
Boom. And it was awesome to see them out on the strip celebrating Sunday night, uh, drinking, having fun. Travis Kelsey went up to the DJ booth and was singing some Taylor Swift songs, which I think everyone thought was hilarious. That's what you want to see, though. And look, she doesn't get to go out in public. Think of all the pictures you've seen with Taylor Swift with past boyfriends. They're from six miles away because the paparazzi are using their Zoom cams because Taylor Swift was in a bubble. She didn't get to live her life. And now with Travis Kelsey, she gets to live this life and and be out in the public eye and enjoy herself, which is something that I, she just really didn't seem like she got for the past few years. Yep. She seems genuinely happy, just like Ryan Wilson does every time he's on this podcast. <laughs> All right. That, that'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, of course, we have the Super Bowl recap in the feed. No show tomorrow. Thank you, NFL. 24 hours podcast. of recovering. Overlords. Yeah. I need to uh, find some lozenges. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with a Tuesdays with Brady show. Brady Quinn and Leje Doosable uh, will join myself, although I have to schedule some situation thing and we'll figure it out. But for now, that'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.